This is the Vent Time with Connie podcast, where we discuss topics that can be controversial or uncontroversial. Topics range from family, faith, lifestyle, you name it. No topic is off limits. New episodes released every Tuesday and Friday. All right, sit back and relax. Here is your host of the show, Connie. Welcome to Venta with Connie podcast. I'm your host, Connie. So guys, you're about to listen to the interview that I held this past Saturday with Tony Chapman and we discussed empowering mindset. So guys, please remember to join us on Facebook at Venta with Connie and YouTube at Venta with Connie podcast so you can watch us live every Saturday at 2.30 p.m. Central Time. Okay, guys, without wasting any time, there you go, the interview that I conducted yesterday with Tony Chapman. Enjoy! Talking about our guest today. Okay, guys, our guest today has worked with hundreds of corporations and government agencies, including the U.S. Secret Service, Chase Bank, Estee Lauder, NOAA, and NASA to help people reach new heights of effectiveness by understanding themselves and others. His ability to help leaders, team members, and people from every background and diversity adopt empowering mindsets and strategies that allow them to adapt, reinvent, and transform the result they produce, both personally and professionally. So who am I talking about? Our guest today is Tony Chapman. Let's bring him on the screen. Hi, Tony. How are you doing today? I'm good, Connie. How are you? I'm doing well. So how are you in adjusting with the whole pandemic? How is your family? How is your health? You know, it's a fascinating journey. My family's good. My boys came to live with us for a period of time because the colleges had shut down and now they've gone back to their respective cities. Um, you know, I think the work of keeping yourself mentally healthy is critical for all of us because there's so much stress, so many unknowns, and you know, you're just bombarded all the time. So, you know, I'm doing well, but it's a constant uh, endeavor really for me to make sure that I'm just in a good place emotionally, that my wife's in a good place emotionally, that my kids and my circle of influence, and, and we really check on each other consistently to make sure we're good. Yes, we have to do that constantly, especially in these unpresented times. You know, things can happen anytime, any day. And we always have to make sure we are, you know, going to the hospital, making sure that we are good. Because sometimes people will have this sickness, they wouldn't even know. So it's good to check on each other. So, okay. So the topic of today is um, empowering mindset. But first, I want to ask, your education background is in chemical engineering. So how did you transition from working a corporate job to now becoming a speaker? How did that even happen? Yeah, okay, so it's a crazy journey, right? I was a, a chemical engineer and a successful one. I was enjoying what I was doing. And I was really all about money. I'm not gonna lie to you, it was about success, money. I mean, it wasn't anything nefarious or you know, I wasn't you know, some person of you know, bad character. I wouldn't take advantage of people. But all of my goals really were set around money. And about two years out of college, I was working and some friends of mine, we decided to start volunteering at an organization. This was in Chicago 
And there used to be a, a large housing project called Cabrini Green. It was actually the second largest housing project in the country. And as we started mentoring young boys, you know, it really shaped and molded and changed my viewpoint of the world. And I remember specifically, there was one boy named Osi, and he and I became really close. And one day we were talking and he just wasn't himself. And to make a long story short, his mom was gone. When I said gone, what do you mean by gone? He said, well, you know, she binges on drugs. She'll go away for two or three days at a time. And so right now I'm just focused on taking care of my one-year-old brother. And I'm thinking, okay, OC was like seven or eight years old at the time. And I'm thinking, here's wow. a kid who's just brilliant. He's got social skills. He's got what we would often call it. And yet he can't even go to school because he's taking care of his younger brother. And it it really, it changed how I viewed everything. So when I went back to work, it just, you know, making money for a corporation and even for myself, just it dropped down on the priority list. And so within about a year, I had made the decision to leave my corporate job, to leave my grad school. I was at University of Chicago, which was one of the five top business schools in the country, and really to work in nonprofit and ministry. And so, you know, I because I just wanted to make a difference in the world. And so I, I focused on that. And doing that really refined my speaking skills. I mean, I, I was already a very good presenter, but when you're speaking three to four times a week for eight years, you really refined that craft. And so, you know, at the point of time in which we decided to leave ministry, uh, I started a business that was fine. But at some point I realized that the gift that I had was to be able to take ideas and communicate them in a way that connected with people. And so that's how I ended up kind of long story short, going from being a chemical engineer to being a speaker. Wow. That's that's impressive. Wow. And I love the way that, you know, you you were able to sympathize with the young boy. You know, a lot of people will see that, like, you know, and just look past it because they are only focused on what they have about themselves. You know, I love the way you're able mm -hmm. to see past your needs or your wants and actually care about your community. So that's why you are so determined in helping your community or involving your community as well and also you know even speaking to people that's also impacting people so a lot of people need that they need that motivation they need that words of encouragement to keep moving forward so thank you for doing that for your community my pleasure i mean it's I, it's it's where my heart was so i i didn't see it as a decision i saw it as the right thing the natural thing to do true that's true we have to try to do the right thing you know in any way we can you know we don't have to always do everything perfect we just have to just try our best know that we tried you know that's all we need to know so um let's go ahead and talk about you know, today's topic empowering mindset um let's not beat around the bush i just want us to just dive right into it so let's start with the mindset what is mindset and what role does it play in our lives I mean, your mindset is how you view the world, right? It's you and I can see the same thing and yet take something completely different from it. You, you know, you see you because we'll focus on different parts. And so our mindset, it's it's all of the assumptions. It's all the viewpoints. It's all of the perspectives that we have at the world. And it, it is in many ways, our mindset, our relationships and our decisions are what define our lives. 
And so, That's you know, true. when you start talking about your mindset, your mindset is going to determine your relationships. Your mindset's going to determine your decisions and your mindset's going to determine what's important to you. And it's going to change the lens in which you look at things. Like I remember I was in Bermuda and we, I was talking to a young lady who was starting a business and she's like, you know, I can't find, you know, the right, whatever, whatever, whatever. She couldn't find the right resources. And I said, here's the issue. You're not looking because I promise you the resources you need are right in front of you and you just don't see them yet. And I said, if you just start looking for them, you'll find them. And I was in Bermuda for less than a week. And by the time I had left, she had found all the resources simply within her relationships and the people she already knew because her mindset shifted and she started seeing opportunities where before she just saw people and things. So your mindset really drives a lot of things. And I, and I say it's here's where it becomes most important because you, you know, I'm looking at the title empowering mindset. Here's where it becomes most important. The, I came to the realization that because I live outside of the box, the majority of the things that I do, other people don't see. They don't see the possibilities that I see. And so I spend 90 to 95% of the time doing things that other people tell me you can't do. They're impossible. But it's because they have a different mindset than I do. And I think that really helps to define where we go. That's true. That's true. You are absolutely right. Going back to what you said earlier about the girl telling you she doesn't have the enough resources to do whatever business that she wants to do. I think this is sometimes um, this to tell us how much our mindset play a role in our everyday life. You know, a lot of people, for instance, what I do, podcasting, uh, even YouTube, being a YouTuber, a lot of people will tell you, oh, I don't have the good camera. I don't have the best camera. I don't have the best microphone. You don't need all those things sometimes. Your smartphone that you have right now, you can use that to at least start. You know, then as mm -hmm. time goes, the way you perfect your craft, then you'll be able to have the money to even improve, to upgrade to a better quality. You don't necessarily have to have everything right now to study. I think sometimes we have this um, self-sabotage mindset that, that keep us stuck in one place, you know, and we think that we can't do it because we don't have this, we don't have that or whatever people would say. So I'm glad that you were able to speak to her and so that she will feel empowered feel like you know i don't need all these things the ones that i have so she can look you know close to close you know with people that she know already you know or what she have already so she'll start using that so thank you for doing that because a lot of people get stuck in that um, mindset that narrow mindset that i don't have it i can't do it or i can't there's no way i can be this good so yeah, well, I mean, perfect is the opposite. Perfect is the enemy of done, right? You know, if you're so focused on getting it done done perfectly, you'll just never do it, right? And I remember a very famous speaker. I don't know if you know who Les Brown is, but I used to travel with Les Brown, and Les would just, he said, anything worth doing is worth doing poorly because you have to do it poorly before you can do it well because we were all beginners at one point in time. So I think that really, you know, it's, but the question is, do you want to do it enough where you're willing to go through doing it poorly? Because a lot of people aren't. They're like, well, you know, okay, I didn't do it well. So now my, you know, internally I'm struggling with it and, and everything else. No, if it's something you really want to do, 
you can go through that learning curve of I didn't do it right. So like podcasting, you know, I don't have the right camera. My first, you know, my first video is, you know, I'm, I'm too close to it. You know, I'm too far away and all that other stuff that happens. But that's part of the process if you're going to get to the goal that you want to hit. That is so true. So I'm just going off topic now. Guys, if you're joining us for the first time or you're just joining us, welcome. This is uh, welcome to Ventown with Connie podcast. This is a live show. So we are talking about empowering mindset. And please feel free to chip in your feedback or question that you have in the comment section below. And I'll be addressing it all. And I'll be in the comment section with you guys addressing it. So going back to the discussion of today, what we are talking about, um, you did make a great point. Um, I want I want ask this. You know, in life, you have you have a vision and a purpose to know where you are headed to, where you, where you're going. Uh, Washington Irving says, "Great minds have purpose; others have wishes." Do you agree that one must be intentional when going after their dreams? And what ways? And also, what ways can one identify their vision and goals in life? Yeah, I think we all have to figure out what our purpose is. And that's the hardest part, right? It's, I think the, I don't think it's a question of whether we need to live out our purpose. That's, that's just obvious, right? It's, that's what we're designed for. It's finding the purpose. I think people go about it wrong. I think there's two things that people need to do. Number one, do what's right. Just in general, in any situation, as best you can, do what's right. Okay, that's kind of the simple one. Number two, because people, you know, start thinking, doing what you're passionate about. I think there's passion is important, but I think you should also focus on what you're good at. We're all going to find out that we're good at certain things. So I realized in high school, I'm good at speaking. I started getting into debate and forensics and, you know, whenever I would read, people go, wow, you're really good at that. So by the time I was in college, I realized I could use my presentation skills to be more and more successful. You know, from there it went to by work. You know, when I was a chemical engineer, I wasn't your normal chemical engineer. I'm not the guy who was always, you know, putting everything in the notebook and, you know, piece by piece. I, I'm actually almost the opposite. I'm one of these completely outside of the box thinkers. I'm the guy, like, if you remember in the movie, The Matrix, there's a scene where Neo goes and he's talking to Cypher and Cypher, he's looking at the matrix and it's coming down and he goes, but you know, where Neo just sees the numbers coming down. So I was like, okay, that's a building there. That's a person doing this. That's how I view the world. I see it differently than other people. So I realized I'm not your normal chemical engineer, but I could communicate what I saw differently. And so that kept translating. And what would happen is the more I did what I was good at, it would open up the opportunities for everything else. And then I could find out what I was passionate about because I really had no idea. And then I would start to incorporate that more into my world. And so that's why I tried ministry. That's why I did other business things because doing what I was good at and refining that skill opened up opportunities. And then I was able to see my passion. But if you don't do what you're good at, your passion will be in front of you. You can miss it, completely miss it. But then once you get to that point where you see it and you've been doing what you're good at, then it all starts to come together. And I believe that's what's important because many of us, we have things that we're good at, 
but we do things that we're mediocre at. And we wow. need to start focusing ourselves on the things that we're good at because that goes back into, I mean, you started off with the scripture. So that goes back into the Bible though, right? So you could first Corinthians 12 and Romans 12, you know, we're all parts of the body. So we all have our strengths and our gifts and it's using our strengths while other people use their strengths that allows the whole collective to be stronger. But if we're too busy doing things we're mediocre at and not doing the things we're good at, then we're not using our strength and the whole collective suffers. Wow. Wow. That's, you did point out a great thing. Like you were talking about focusing on what you're good at, you know? And I think sometimes, like you see, a lot of us focus on what we're not good at or what we think people, sh you know, says what should be good. I don't know how to explain it, but we focus on sometimes mm -hmm. what other people are saying about us, what we should be good at, you know? And then when, but we don't know, maybe that could be our weakness. And then we have, when you're focusing on your weakness so much, you tend to neglect your strength and then you start feeling like not enough. You feel like you will never do enough because that's not really what you're good at. And everybody cannot be good at everything. There are strengths, wow. there are weaknesses. So I'm glad you pointed that out. Yeah. And I appreciate that. And you know, that's also part of when I said also doing the right thing, it was me volunteering at Cabrini green that let, if I didn't do that, I never become a speaker, right? If I don't make the decision to leave my job because of what I saw, I never become a speaker. If I, there are certain things that if I don't do them, because in the moment I couldn't connect getting to here, but in the moment I thought, okay, I'm going to do this thing. And in doing that thing, then I would grow into everything else. And that was really important for me. Wow. And okay, so if you don't mind me jumping in, okay, because no, um, because you because you started with the scripture, you kind of changed where I'm going with stuff, okay? Okay. So here's the other thing, and I'm going to get deep on you on this one. Um, I think a lot of people want to reach the end goal before they prepared themselves to get there, okay? And I think that's a very spiritual principle. So there's a scripture here. Let me look it up as we're talking, because there is a scripture that for me defined it in a way that I had never thought of. And the scripture is in, give me just a second. Um, Go ahead. The scripture is in Exodus 23. And what, what the scripture says, and, and this is, people don't think of this because this is when the Israelites are going to the promised land, right? And God says, I will send the hornet ahead of you to drive the Hivites, Canaanites, and Hittites out of the way, but I will not drive them out in a single year because the land will become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. Little by little, I'll drive them out before you until you've increased enough to take possession of the land. Okay, so here's, here's what that means, right? Yeah, you're bringing back the minister out of me. Okay, I'm coming out of retirement. Um, here's what that means. Go, okay, um, what is the what's the Bible verse? Esther does what? Exodus chapter 23 verses okay. 28 through through 30. Okay. okay Wait, so here's what that scripture means. God was telling the Israelites, the promised land is ready for you, but right now it is so big 
that if you went in there the way you are now, it would destroy you. I've got to wait until you grow enough to be able to receive the blessing I have for you. I think that's the part of life people miss. We get very anxious. We lose patience. We want it all right now. And if instead we say, okay, I'm going to do these things. I'm going to work on my strengths. I'm going to work on my character. I'm going to grow. And then when it comes, I'm actually ready for it. Because we've all seen people whose success has destroyed them, right? And that's what that's not what was wanted for us. And so this is why we start working on, you know, making sure we're doing the right thing, making sure that we are um, working on our strengths. And then as the opportunities come, we grow into it so that we'll be ready for when that opportunity comes that God gives us instead of him saying, I can't give it all to you right now because you're not ready. So, you know, give me another 10 years and then you'll be ready for it. Grow into it so you're ready for it now. Yes, you're right. And it actually reminds me of this um, um, quote that I I heard from someone. I can't remember who exactly. And it says, um, God cares more about our salvation than our comfort. So sometimes Mm -hmm. when you don't get something right now, doesn't mean you're not going to get it later on. Maybe God thinks that you're not ready. And he's the creator, so he knows the best for us. So we need to just exercise a little bit more patience and persevere through it all because... Trust me, to a, at the end, it's going to be all worth it. So thank you for reference, references um, the Bible. So My pleasure. Back, going back to our topic, you know, being an entrepreneur requires some level of leadership skills. We are still dealing with the COVID right now, the pandemic, and we are learning to adapt to the new norm. Companies, small business are learning to adapt to new phases their business is facing due to COVID and are working on carrying their employees along with them, you know? And so as a leader, what things can you do to, to help people stay focused during disruption like COVID-19? Well, I think as a leader, you have to, number one, be very concerned about people, right? I think it's, we use a lot of buzzwords in corporate America, you know, human capital and human resources, but most people don't really believe it. You know, they end up just being a commodity. Think if you really care about people, which is incredibly important in this moment, that is going to be your first guiding part. Because what's happening is people are, number one, if they have a job, they're very grateful to still have a job because a lot of people don't. Like I'm in New York and it, they were just announcing that they're going to be laying off 22,000 city employees, right? Wow. Horrific. And so you think about, you know, all the people who are going to be hurt from that, the damage, everything else. So, you know, people have a job they're grateful for, it, but they're working from home. In the past, people wanted to work from home, but this is different. Now they're working from home. Their kids are home. You know, if you know, if they have kids, their kids are with them. If they're married or they're dating, their spouse is with them. You know, it's a different dynamic and people are having a problem balancing work and life because they're working constantly they're stressed and you know on top of it there's all of the unknowns that are happening in our lives and so as a leader you have to be able to read where people are and to be able to say okay you know what you know this is what's best for you in this moment and so you're going to have to be able to you have to know when to push and when to pull back and help people with that 
Uh, the second thing is you have to just throw out the past. Just whatever, whatever worked in February doesn't count. It just doesn't. This is so different. And so many people are just like, okay, yeah, but as soon as this thing is over, it's not going to be the same when this thing is over. And you have to be able to say, okay, that is dry cement. I can't do anything about it. Let me focus on the wet cement that's in front of me and do something totally different. Because if I don't, I'm going to be just like all of those other stores that died, right? You know, Montgomery Rewards when we were kids, you know, that's no longer. Woolworths is no longer. Toys R Us is no longer, you know, why? Because they could not adapt. And so we've got to be able to say, I must adapt. And so even ideas that I thought were crazy, let me at least check them out because they may be the thing that gives gets us through the next phase. Wow. Yeah, you are right. Going back to something you said um, earlier on, you said about you have to, for this to work, this um, for us to adapt to this new, new norm, especially employers, they have to care for their employees you know for to want to have you know to want to carry them along and understand that people are dealing with things this is a this is an adjustment to everyone you know like you say working from home with your children not just with your children you have you now the teachers because you are touring them you're making mm -hmm. sure they do their homework and you're also working at the same time that's like double job right there that's two full-time jobs that you have so employees need to learn how to you know understand and relate with their you know employer employee in employers need to learn how to you know understand their employees and relate with them so they will understand that this will be a difficult you know changes to them everyone is trying their best to adjust so um you will also pride yourself um as a corporate relationship expert you know and i must ask what is even there like what makes relationship based leadership more effective than other forms so it, first, the idea came because I was a chemical engineer, right? And I'm working and I, I started to realize that as smart as I believed I was, as prepared I, as I believed I, as I was for the job, it was my ability to connect with other people that really was getting me ahead. It's who I knew, who I related to, that my company could put me in any city or any town in the country with a client and you know sometimes that would be philadelphia and sometimes that would be moralton arkansas right and it's but i you know my i could within moments connect with the client and talk their language nothing fake but really connect with them and i realized okay that's propelling me farther ahead than a lot of my uh colleagues but i also started to see that was an issue for corporations right that companies that were good at that that was their competitive advantage and companies that weren't that was their achilles heel but the problem is for most of us that's not what we're taught right we're taught math science history you know language mm -hmm. no not you know all those things we're not taught so here is how you relate to someone who's different than you Here's how you talk. Here's how you're patient with them. Here, you know, here's how you influence other people. And so I, when I realized that's not what people are taught, but that's what they need and that's what will make them successful. And I mean successful at work, successful as an entrepreneur, successful in the home, 
successful in the community, successful at church, their civic organization. It's going to be how you connect with people. That became my focus. I can do other things. I can focus on it. I choose not to because I decided this is the area where there's a need and this is the area where I can become the expert. Wow. Yeah. I mean, we need that. We need to learn how to connect with other people um, because that's what I feel like sometimes our society is lacking. People just, you know, especially online, people just say whatever they want to say. They don't care who is affecting, you know, how people are perceiving it. They just say whatever because, you know, they lack their human connection. And I think technology, too, has to add to that. People just, you can just say whatever you want to say. They don't really have to meet you face to face to say something. So people have like that even human interaction. And then you add COVID towards it, too. People now have to distance themselves you know, self-isolate and all of that. So even increasing it and people are lacking this connection and um, knowing that there's more to this world than themselves and their family. There's a lot There's a lot going on and a lot of people need their sympathy, their empathy. We need to learn how to do that. Besides being a speaker, um, you are also an author, you know? You wrote a book titled The Force Multiplier. Just the name of this book just kind of, ah, it rings bells, you know, and I, I'm excited to know what it's about, you know. So what, prom what prompted you to even write this book? And um, I want to know, tell us about that. Take us through that, your thought process and um, how you got to the name in the first place. Okay, and those are two separate questions. I want to answer both of them. There's the what prompted me to write the book, and then there's, why I titled the book the way I did, right? So what prompted me to write the book is, so I, I started speaking and I started training and I'm training people around the country and I keep seeing the same issues. You know, basically people would love their job if it wasn't for their boss. You know, that's kind of what it really came down to. And for a lot of it, it was bosses like, I was thrown in this position, I have no idea what I'm supposed to be doing, so I'm learning it on the job. and you just see the same problems and the same problems almost always come down to how they treat people. And so I started to say, you know what? There's all these books on leadership. You, you know, I can look right there and I'm looking at a list of books on my bookcase, just leadership leader. And Pat, most of them have leading in the title of the book, right? So a lot of people have these books, but it's not changing anything. What's going on? So are people reading the books? Yeah, they're probably reading the books. Then I started saying, okay, well, what do the books talk about? And most of them talk about these really big theoretical ideas. You know, we need to turn the ship and change the culture and leaders need to, you know, get people to follow. No, that's all great. But what about the person who just is thrown into a position and needs to know, what do I do to be a better leader now with these five, seven, eight, 10, 20 people? And so I, that's what that was the book. The here is the nuts and bolts of leadership. And what's crazy about it, and people started to get it. Because at first I thought, okay, I don't know if people are going to get the hidden message of the book. And yet people started to reach out to me and go, I get it. I see what you did. Because it's about relational leadership, it's not just about leadership. If you read the book better, if you read the book right, you'll become a better spouse if you're married. You become a better parent. You'll be, because you'll be better at relating to people. And by doing that, you'll be better at influencing them and connecting with them. And that was the idea of the book. So that's the why the book was written. Now, why the title? So the original title of the book was called Why I Hate My Job. 
which I love. Uh, and in fact, there's still a chapter in there called Why I Hate My Job, because that's really what it comes down to. And in fact, I had this idea where the cover would be, you know, it's like a multiple choice question, you know, why I hate my job. And it's like, you know, I don't like my job. I don't like this. And it would be like the third one would be a boss and it'd be checked, right? That that's the reason. <laughs> and then I realized if I did that, the wrong people would read it. The people who needed to read it would skip over it. And so I was having an event at my house. So I have a really close friend. He's, I mean, really close. Like our families are tied into one another. His children view, my sons, his older brothers. And so he was getting deployed to Afghanistan. And so we had a party for him at my place. And, you know, maybe 40 to 50 of his closest friends. And we gather around and we're sharing, you know, how much we care for them, how much while he's gone, we're going to stay in touch. We're going to make sure we take care of his family while he's gone. And I was waiting to hear from one particular person. He's a high ranking officer in the, in the U S army. And he had been to a lot of these, what he termed deployment parties. And he said something that I just wasn't prepared for. He said, you are what we refer to as a force multiplier because by your very presence, you make everyone and everything around you better. And I thought, that's it. That's it. That's the whole, because often we talk, hey, leadership. Well, you know, leaders have followers. Leaders can instill a vision. Leaders, But do we ever say, because a leader's there, everyone's better. That's how we need to really define leadership. And if we don't, we're not giving it its due credit. And so... That became my, here's where we're going. We're, we're going to look at this from that lens. And so the whole idea of a force multiplier, so a force multiplier is technically a tool. It's a tool that, you know, the amount of force that you exert is multiplied. So for example, a hammer is a multiply, force multiplier, right? Because you hold the hammer and you're able to hit a nail harder. Or a lever is a force multiplier because you push down and you're able to lift heavier things. So my thought though is, but you and I can be force multipliers because we can help everyone around us be more effective. And by doing that, we multiply their output, their purpose, and their effectiveness. And so that's the, really the whole genesis of the force multiplier. Wow, that's an incredible story. And I think um, you made a good choice, you know, choosing the name force multiplier. Because the first one, the first name you said, uh, uh, why I hate my job. A lot of people that will read it, mostly people that are unhappy with their job. And they'll just read it just to, let's say, so you will say something not good about their leaders, about their boss, you know, stuff, just all the negative stuff. But they don't want to, they don't want to focus on the positive part of it. And I think the force multiplier, the name on its own is a very empowering. You know, it's very important mm -hmm. name and wants to empower you to do better, not focus on what your boss is doing to you or what this person is doing to you. You're basically empowering people how to be a force, you know, how to be a better leader themselves, you know. So I really love the name. It's, it's, it speaks volume. I really love it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. No, no problem. So, um, you know, maintaining a positive mindset is very vital. You know, that's why we titled this Empowering Mindset. So to conclude this topic in a positive note, how can my viewers and listeners protect their mindset against the naysayers, because a lot of them are there, and people who want to hinder their opportunity, their opportunity in every way possible? Okay, I'm going to share a story, and I think this will help. 
And it, it comes around the idea, so I talk, when I talk about disruption and change and even personal development, I talk a lot about our comfort zone and that we have to, you know, get outside of our comfort zone. But first we have to understand what our comfort zone is, right? Yes. And, and understand what's in our comfort zone. And one of the things that's in our comfort zone are other people. So our relationships are part of our comfort zone. So I, I mentioned two things, Bermuda and Les Brown. So my first professional speaking engagement, I was in Bermuda opening for Les Brown. I actually did that multiple times and I've opened for him multiple times. But this one, you know, I had been, I'd left the ministry, started a business, went well, had challenges, was doing some other stuff. And then, you know, by divine providence, I ended up in this situation. And so I'm on stage in front of 800 people. It's amazing. And in the moment, I have this crisis of conscience. I'm, I'm like, okay, um, here I am telling people, people how to be better. And yet physically, I've let myself go. I'm about 40 pounds heavier than I've normally been. And it's obvious. And so I literally, in the middle of my presentation, I stopped and I said, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, but Tony, you need to lose weight, right? And everyone kind of laughed. It's, it was clearly what they were thinking. I said, here's, what the, here's the deal. The next time you see me, I'll be a different person. And if I am, you're going to do everything I've told you to, because all I've done is apply the principles I'm telling you. Now, if I'm not, then, hey, clearly, I don't know what I'm doing. Okay. So I got off stage and two things that happened. I had number one, I had no idea if I was ever coming back. I really didn't. But, but the other thing is, I knew I had made a decision. And here's what happened afterwards. This is fascinating. So an Les had something going on, but a bunch of the other speakers and other people, we all went out to dinner, but it was really late. Like it was 11, 30, 12 o'clock. Those people start ordering food and I'm thinking, you know, I know eating late is really bad for me if I'm going to try to lose weight. So I, I decided I'm not going to do it. So somebody ordered French fries and they're passing them around. I said, I'm good. But so, we'll just take a few. I said, no. I said, well, just, I said, you guys heard what I just said about the decision I made. And then someone said, well, just eat one. And I thought, that's really weird. Well, pay to no mind. I go back home. I'm focused on losing weight. And so, you know, I lose, you know, I don't know, eight, eight to 10 pounds. You can start to see it. And so then one of my friends was like, hey, you look like you've lost some weight. I said, yeah. He goes, goes yeah, it's probably temporary water weight. You'll gain it back. And I thought, okay, that's weird. But I'm still focused. Well, then I get a call, Butterfield Bank who was the sponsor of the event. They love the event. They want to do a follow-up event in three months, but they just want Les Brown and Tony Chapman. They don't want any of the other people. It's going to be a full weekend with just us. Now I'm like, I am so glad I stayed focused. So now I'm cranking. And so in three months time, I lose 40 pounds, right? Totally different person. But now none of my clothes fit. So I go to a very well-known clothing store and you know, I'm like, okay, I need to buy some suits. And the salesperson is trying to help me. So, okay, great. Uh, what do you think? And maybe like a blue, a black. He goes, so why do you need three? Why this big event in Bermuda? Okay. So you don't have any clothes that fit? I said, well, I just lost a lot of weight. Well, how much did you lose? 40 pounds. How long did it take you to lose? Lose it. About three months. He goes, you shouldn't buy clothes right now. You're going to gain that weight back. I thought, What? So I found another salesperson, got my clothes, went to Bermuda, had an amazing time, ended up getting hired by the premier of Bermuda and all this other stuff. I came back home and I was talking to a friend of mine and he said, you know what, Tony, I've got to be honest with you. 
when you lost all that weight, it took away all the excuses for the things I couldn't do in my life. And that's when it hit me, Connie. Check this out. Then this is a big deal. So earlier I said, we have to understand that we have other people in our comfort zone, right? But the other thing is we are part of other people's comfort zones. And guess what? Mm -hmm. They like us just the way we are. And the minute we change, we move their comfort zone and their natural response is give me my comfort zone back. So the minute you say, I'm going to lose weight, the minute you say, I'm going to change my life, the minute you say, I'm going to become an entrepreneur or a podcaster or an author or a speaker, or I'm going to do, I'm going to start becoming, you know, healthier in my eating. The minute you do that, even before people consciously realize what they're doing, what they know is now they're uncomfortable. And so what they want to do is they bring their comfort back by changing you to be back to the exact person you were. And so really when you go to how do you deal with the naysayers, you realize this is just them trying to fix their comfort zone. It's not about me. It's not just that they're haters. They're uncomfortable. And I can't let the fact that me choosing to be better makes them uncomfortable stop me. If I, if I don't do that, if I stay focused, then guess what? Some will drift off and others will appreciate it. The same way my friend was like, you know, now I see it. Now I get it. Before I was uncomfortable, but now I'm inspired. And that's what will happen. So, you know, if you want the how do you overcome the naysayers, you just realize they're speaking out of their weakness. And I am living in my power. And that's the difference. You, oh my God, that's such a powerful word, words of encouragement right there. And you did make a great point. Like people always project their insecurities on you, you know. So they mm-hmm. say those things because this is, like you said, this is their comfort zone. And um, you know, prof- a prophet is not recognizing in their in his own, you know. So they don't want right. to accept that you are changing, that you are growing, you know. And some of them always have this. Um, this perspective about you you know how some of them saw you growing up or the mistakes you made so they don't want to accept that this person they think that probably won't be no good or this is what they will be is now growing and probably be better than them so they're scared of that you know they're scared of they have to look up to you for things that they never thought that they would that you probably would be the one looking up you know looking up to them so I think it's them adjusting to the whole thing. And don't let that, like you said, don't let that discourage you. Keep pushing. And guess what? They will come back. Some of them might not say it in front of you, but they'll be looking up to you. It's like, oh, my gosh, I remember this person. I remember when they were trying. I remember this. And they will learn a lot from you. So that's a powerful advice. Thank you for that. My pleasure. No problem. So, guys, we have come to the end of this topic. Um, guys, before um, we go, I want first um, talk about our website. We do have website. I will show it on the screen very soon. Our website is Ventime with Connie um, podcast.com. So make sure you check it out and you can purchase our merchandise. Like I'm wearing the hat right now and the t-shirt, the white one. We also have the black one. So go check it out. We have all the accessories, stickers, you know, laptop bags, phone cases. Yes, for um, the samsung users we don't have one for apple yet i'm sorry guys we're working on that and then we have clothes for babies we have clothes for um children like um 
um what a youth yeah we have one for ladies and men too so go check it out guys and support as little as you can so mr tony where can my people reach you where can they get in contact with you the easiest way is go to my website www.tonychapman.com that's the simplest thing you can always find me on facebook or linkedin tony chapman twitter i'm not on twitter a lot i'm on instagram more and someone had Tony Chapman, so it's Tony Chapman Speaks. But, you know, you find me on any of those. But if you hit me up on my website, uh, you can just contact me, and I will, I get a hold of everyone who reaches out to me. So that's definitely the way to do it. Okay. Okay, guys. Um, just in case to get a direct link to his website and his email is on the description of this video. So you can, get a, you can click on the link, and it will take you straight to the website. And for my podcast listeners – the his website will also be description of this episode that you're listening to now so once you're done click the description and you get all the contacts and information about our guest tony today um mr tony thank you so much for coming we i really did appreciate all the words of encouragement and wisdom that you have shared on this episode it's a great pleasure talking to you and i'm sure my audience feel empowered now and ready to take that next step in their business or career so on behalf of all my listeners and viewers, we say thank you for coming. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for joining me. If you are listening on, on the podcast right now, make sure you follow our social contacts, our social media platforms. We are on Instagram, Facebook, Adventure with Connie. You can find all the links in the description below. And um, thank you, everyone. Um, you do have the rest, a wonderful rest of your weekend. And this is your host, Connie, signing out. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Vent Time with Connie podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, or whatever platform you listen to podcasts. Please don't forget to like, rate, review, or share this podcast. Do you have any feedback or questions for Connie or any topics you'd like to discuss on the show? Connie loves communicating with our listeners. You can find her on Instagram and Facebook at Vent Time with Connie or send an email to venttimewithconnie at yahoo.com. Until next time, remain blessed.